Welcome to the Mission Cleveland weekly podcast. Encouragement and hope in a despairing world. of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became strong because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise Praise to you, you, Lord Lord Christ. Christ. Please be seated. Well, hey, y'all. It's good to be back again in worship. And um, What I'm sensing as we gather together is just a lot of stillness, and I just sometimes I think um, we need our worship arts to kind of guide us into a stillness. We bring so much stuff when we gather together, whatever we bring in from outside of these walls, it can so interfere with just being able to settle down and listen to the words of Jesus and be encouraged by one another. So I just want to at least from my soul, point that out. Like, it just feels like God is with us and he's inviting us into stillness. So let that be the moment, the movement of our time together, if, if you sense that too. Let me pray as we open up the word again tonight. But we are just so grateful for your word that gives life to us that corrects us and guides us, and we ask that your words, Jesus, would be just that for us tonight, our our guide. Teach us to fall in love with you, with your holy name, and find life upon life in our time with you. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Amen. So we're in this series on the signs in John's gospel, and last week, Pastor Peyton spoke about the feeding of the multitude, if you remember, and there were 5,000 indicated there, but it was probably more like 20,000 people that have been fed in that wonderful, miraculous, gloryful experience of Jesus. And as Jesus feeds the multitude, he travels away, and he says, uh, John says in the gospel, he had to kind of get out of there for fear that they would have made him king. It just is a, a picture into the human heart, isn't it? Like Jesus doesn't need us to make him king in that way. He's already king. But what do we, what do we want to do with Jesus when we see this beautiful reality that he brings in? Well, we're called to praise him. 
And so Jesus, instead of being ego-driven and sticking around and, and trying to become king in whatever way they wanted to do that, Jesus retreats and he prays. He prays in the mountains. He spends time with the Father. And the disciples, meanwhile, are gathering their things. The, the feeding of the multitude is over, and they then get back into the boat in the Sea of Galilee, and they start to head from Tiberias, which is just, nor, or just south of kind of the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee, and they're going back to their ministry center in Capernaum. It's about maybe six miles or so for them to travel, and they get out there on the sea, and as we know, the story comes to us, there's a storm that rolls in. Geographically, the Sea of Galilee is about 600 feet below sea level, and so the, 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 the cooler waters, uh, or maybe it's the warmer waters of the sea, are, are interacting with the cool waters that kind of blow over the mountain region, and they create these terrible, terrifying storms. Sometimes they're referred to as squalls because of the noise they make and the wind. And so the disciples are, are in the boat and they're trying to make it back to Capernaum and this serious, terrifying storm is hitting them. And they're, of course, experienced fishermen and so they should be able to do this, right? They should be able to navigate this. But in the distance, in the distance, Jesus is seen walking on the water. John says, before that, it was dark and Jesus had not come to them. What a frightening verse. It was dark and Jesus was not with them. John just sets the stage for how terrifying this experience was for them. But in the distance, they see Jesus coming. And I don't know from this passage, I don't know if the disciples are terrified because of the storm or because Jesus is coming to them. It's not the gospel reading where we see the disciples thinking they've seen a ghost. They're just terrified. And Jesus comes to them. He moves to them with this simple word. It is I. Do not be afraid. It is I. I love John's gospel, the simplicity of what Jesus says. He doesn't say a lot to them. He simply just says, it is I. Do not be afraid. It's the same Greek combination, ego, ami. It's a statement John uses throughout his gospel, the I am statements. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is coming to them and he's saying, I am, it is I, do not be afraid. And I think it's this, this self-revelation of Christ, it, it can bring us back to the Exodus story in a way. It kind of thickens our imagination to go back there, the I am of Yahweh. Remember the, the story in Exodus 3 when Moses, he's out tending to his father-in-law's sheep He's out in the wilderness. He's beyond the wilderness around Mount Horeb, the mountain of God. And he sees, seemingly out of the corner of his eye, he sees this bush that is ablaze and yet it doesn't burn up. It's not consumed by the fire. And in some kind of divine curiosity, Moses says seemingly to himself, let me see why this bush is ablaze and yet not consumed. 
let me just travel over here and see. And as he goes close to the bush, of course, the voice of God says to him, don't come any further. Take off your shoes, for the ground that you're standing on is sacred. The ground that you're standing on is holy. God, in that story, had heard the cries of the people of Israel, their sufferings in Egypt. And so God calls Moses, and he reveals this divine name to them, to to Moses. Because Moses is like, I don't know what to say. Moses has no idea what to say. Well, you tell them, God says, that I am sent you. I am who I am. It's a name that points to God's presence. It's a name that that points to God as the creator of the world who holds the sea and all the chaos and all the beauty of the world together. In the Exodus story, this name of God is given in part so that the people will know that God is God through the way that he will act. He will bring Israel up out of the misery of Egypt. He will. And we have this image of of God acting in the midst of human chaos and disruption. And I I, I believe that this was an image that would have been uh, very common in the imagination of even the psalmist. And so even in our psalm tonight, Psalm 107, it's a psalm of thanksgiving. It relates to being rescued from the chaos of the sea. Water, by the way, and the biblical kind of idea of water is often... kind of expresses chaos to us. And so God is calming the storm. Psalm 107, the psalmist says, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet, and he brought them to their desired haven. That's the reality of this divine name, the God whom they interact with, whom we interact with. It's the God who creates the waters and also stills the waters, quiets the waters. And so in our gospel reading tonight, unlike Moses, the disciples, they're not really moving toward God in their crisis. They're just trying to get out of the storm. They're trying to, I don't know, I just imagine them trying to just kind of rough it through there, right, with all their expertise and all their skill and everything they've learned about being on rough waters. They're using their skill as we normally would as human beings. They're not trying to move toward God, but Jesus is moving toward them. And he moves toward them with this simple and profound word, it is I Do not be afraid. In the Exodus story, Moses is told not to come any closer, to take off his sandals, that this ground is holy. As God reveals himself to Moses, it's almost like we get a sense that there's only so much of God, only so much holiness that Moses can handle. There's limits to how close Moses can be. Moses, as he moves toward God, he has to take off his sandals. 
the holiness of God is too much for the human experience, we might say, if we meditate on that passage. But in Jesus, in the New Testament, in John's Gospel, the disciples are also experiencing the holiness of God, the divine revelation of God. And no one in that story is telling them not to come any closer. In fact, Jesus is pursuing them. Jesus is trying to get as close to them as he possibly can. They're not asked to take off any articles of clothing. They're not asked to change anything about themselves other than to hear these words of Jesus. It is I. Do not be afraid. And this could be a real spiritual discipline for all of us, couldn't it? Just to take that word of Jesus. It is I. Do not be afraid. Just to take that into our prayer, into the midst of our fears or our, our challenges, whatever they are, we all have them. Jesus, I need to hear you say those words to me. I need to hear you say, it is I, do not be afraid. I want to sit at your feet and listen to you say those words to me over and over again. Amen. It is I, do not be afraid. What I really love about Jesus here is the way that he reveals himself to his disciples in crisis. You know, every one of the, the signs in John has some element of crisis in it. This is just another picture of crisis for them. I just love the way Jesus reveals himself to us, especially when we're in our crises, especially then. The self-revelation of Jesus is always enough for us. Amen. Even, even if Jesus doesn't calm the storm, it's enough for us. That's an interesting thing about this gospel, John's story here. And as we watch Jesus walk on water and get into the boat with the disciples, John doesn't say anything about Jesus calming the storm. That's, this is not the story of Jesus calming the storm, right? It may be the same story, but it's not what John is emphasizing here. You've got verse 21. If you want to study that, you've got verse 21 that says something like, and immediately the disciples found themselves on the, the bank of Capernaum. You know, like all of a sudden, they're just like miraculously over there, Right? And I know for myself, like when I'm in the midst of a crisis, that is exactly my prayer. Can I just fall asleep tonight and let this whole thing be over and wake up on the bank tomorrow morning and it be completely done? Like, I do not want to go through this, Lord. Mm -hmm. You can feel that. (laughs) You've had that prayer. Let me just wake up on the bank. Yeah. Jesus isn't pictured here in John's gospel calming the storm. And our journey, it doesn't always turn out that way, the immediately. It doesn't always turn out that way. The disciples, though, I think it's true of this passage, like the disciples have to let Jesus in the boat. They have to let Jesus in the boat. I mean, if we read the story in the midst of their fear, like it seems like it's an easy thing for them to do. Like they just let Jesus on in the boat, right? They're glad to do it, some translations say. They're glad to let Jesus in the boat. 
But I wonder if that's hard for us to do sometimes in our crises, to let Jesus on in to the boat. Where we're trying to work hard, you know, get through the storm, whatever we're trying to do, are we letting Jesus into that space? I think this is especially hard when we experience long suffering. I've, I've shared this story. Some of you know our oldest daughter, Kenna, had um, some terrible experiences with seizures over the last couple of years, so much so that she couldn't even walk on her own. And Julie, my wife, and I, about a year into that, you know, you just get so depleted and exhausted from seeing that regularly. And in all honesty, I got to a point, like one, one day after she fell, I just said, the more I pray about this, like the worse it seems to get. Like, I don't even want to pray about this anymore. There were a couple of times when we were in church and I stood up to come up here and celebrate at table and she had a seizure right there. And I said, what is up? I don't even want to pray about this anymore. The harder I pray, the worse it gets. And that's just kind of honestly, it's not a great place to be. I'm not advocating for that, but it's just an honest place. We can get there sometimes in our long suffering, in those long journeys. And I was talking with with Julie, my wife, about her experiences. And she said, yeah, I feel some of that too. But she said, closer to the end, she had an image in her prayer of just being yoked with Christ in the midst of that suffering, just being yoked with him, with Jesus. As if to say, like, some of our storms, it's not about us getting to the other side. It's not about that at all, even. It's about being carried with Jesus in the midst of our storms. It's about us opening our heart and let Jesus coming in the boat. Let him carry us through that. That's the point sometimes for our suffering. Sometimes, sometimes Jesus calms the storm and sometimes he carries us through it. I just want to say for whatever your storm is, whatever that might be, if you're in the midst of that long storm or even if it's just a bunch of little storms, it may be, it may be that Jesus is inviting you into a more intimate space in your walk with him. He may just be inviting you to say these words with him. It is I, do not be afraid. Just to hear Jesus share those beautiful, life-giving words to you, to us in the midst of our storms. Maybe he's speaking those words to you even now. Not so much an invitation to get to the other side, but just an invitation to be yoked together with him, to be carried by him, to see how the bush is ablaze and not consumed. What a, what a miraculous, beautiful reality that we can walk our lives out with our Lord. To live in the holiness and beauty of God who invites us into haven, even if that haven isn't the other side. Even if there's a storm all around you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us at the Mission Cleveland next week.